Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin, and as always, I'm joined alongside my great partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, my friend? Pretty good, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm liking what free agency is doing. Hey, Ed, I, I wish I could say I was doing pretty good myself, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into it a little later in the show, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of drama going down in Cleveland, but aside from that, free agency has been insane. I mean, I, I, this is absolutely, I mean, if we're not watching football, free agency is my favorite part of the year because it just kind of shakes up reality. You know, I love seeing the big names, um, you know, go from one team to another. I mean, we had a big signing just happen that we're going to talk about later in the show. I And the thing is, Ed, there's still some really, really high-tier free agents out there. I mean, Taron Armstead, one of the best tackles in the league. Jadavian Clowney, one of the best edge defender, uh, edge run-stuffing defenders in the league. Um, and it, it's, it's going crazy. I mean, and people are getting contracts that we would have never really expected. I mean, for crying out loud, Von Miller just got signed to a six- year contract with the Buffalo Bills after everybody thought that, you know, he was um, going to stay with either the Rams or go back to Denver, ends up, you know, slipping, you know, slipping to Buffalo for a six-year contract. I really doubt he plays that out, but I mean, just a Von Miller six-year contract to Buffalo is kind of just representative of how crazy free agency can get. I mean, that's a move nobody would have ever expected, and yet it happened, and I know nobody, nobody had their Vegas bets on that one, so... Um, I, just one thing to love about free agency is how crazy it is. But, Ed, <clears throat> this last week, um, I, I spent a very good amount of time breaking uh, breaking down these tight end prospects we have for this next year's draft. And, you know, I was telling you, man, I am incredibly, incredibly impressed with the receiver core and the tight end core. I mean, it's it's seriously one of the most impressive sets of receiving tight ends I have seen in quite some time, my friend, and I'll, I'll just give you a rundown of my top 10, and I'll kind of break them down by that, but to start it off, yeah, started it off, man, um, we, we've heard this name a few times on this show, and that's Trey McBride, um, Trey McBride is, I mean, the John Mackey Award winner for a reason, the best tight end in the nation, Ed, um, I, I am blown away by this guy's film, and I luckily had an opportunity to, you know, watch him in person, but um, he's consistently improved year to year. Uh, he he seriously, from freshman year to senior year, significant jumps in his game. So we haven't seen a Trey McBride ceiling yet. He's a guy that's always looking to improve. Um, he's a very strong and willing blocker. He is the best uh, tight end after the catch in this in this year's class. Um, his his yak ability is up there with some wide receivers this year. Ed um, is his body control for a tight end unbelievable i mean if you if you want to see what this guy's all about go watch his game against iowa uh i mean that was the top 10 defense all year last year and he didn't he, he that that was no problem to him he made like a handful of the most acrobatic catches i've seen and let alone from a tight end that game i mean he is just one of the most technically sound tight ends i've seen you know in a few years and i, I know a few people say that he might have physical restraints you know such as his his size and his inability to gain separation due to, you know, sheer lack of speed. But 
he has such good body control. I really don't see that being an issue for him, Ed. I don't see it being a problem at all. Now, the only thing that maybe could be a knock is is his his frame isn't a prototypical uh, tight end frame. He's six four, but like I was saying, he just has such great uh, you know body control that his his range his catch radius is is so much bigger than you'd expect for a guy that's six four. And you know he may look like a little um, huskier, but at the same time, the dude moves so fluidly. I I think Trey McBride is far and away the best tight end out of this uh, this upcoming draft. And second, Isaiah Likely is one of my favorite players in the entire draft. Now, I don't think he's nearly as complete of a, a tight end as Trey McBride, but Isaiah Likely might be the best receiving uh, tight end in this draft. You, you could maybe move this guy at receiver, and you won't have too many issues, Ed. Um, very good athlete with, with strong quickness for a tight end. Good lateral agility, so you can have him, you know, if he's a willing blocker. He's not the most technically sound blocker, but he's willing. Um, he's a versatile player. He's He's been in motion multiple times. He's gotten handoffs on sweeps. Um, so that just kind of proves that he is a threat with the ball in his hands. And he's super savvy in his route running. I mean, he may not have the hardest cuts, but he just finds a way to eat up zones, and he knows where openings are going to be in those zones. Um, now... One thing that I really noticed about him is I did say he was a willing blocker. He's not a great blocker, I would say. Uh, his technique is lacking a little bit, and just his his sheer strength in the blocking game is not all, all the way there. I really like him as as a legitimate receiving threat. I mean, Darren Waller type receiving threat. I don't want to give him that high of a praise because Darren Waller is one of the best in the game, but that's kind of who he reminds me as. Uh, you just really really value what he can do as a receiver, you know, blocker if necessary, but. Um, I, I am really, really impressed, <clears throat> excuse me, really, really impressed with Isaiah Likely. And then next we have Jaden Weidermeyer um, from Texas A&M. Another person who has um, kind of not a completely finished tight end, one or the other, and this is one of the more blocking um, tight ends, I would say. Uh, he's, he's one of the most willing blockers, and he has very, very good technique in his blocks. Um, route running, his, and he's probably one of the most unique tight ends to me this year because his route running for a tight end is actually immaculate it's it's i would say top three out of any tight end in this entire draft ed um but when you look at his hands the dude just has so many dropped balls that shouldn't be dropped and that's that was really the only problem i could find with this guy is like if he could be he could be seriously the second best tight end in this in this uh draft class maybe i know i'm really high on trey mcbride but there's a chance that if he got his hands together, he could be the best tight end in this draft. And um, there was just so many times I saw him try to catch the ball in his chest, but he did everything else right, Ed. He did everything else so unbelievably well. Um, I really hope that, you know, he just hits the jugs, jug machines when he gets gets to the league because I think he could be a serious threat. Um, next, we have Cade uh, Otten um, from Washington. And, uh, Ed, I just like these, uh, these tight ends – are all very very similar builds this year they're all around 6'4 to 6'5 none of them are really blowing me away with their size but they're all just darn good athletes man and um i know if i'm looking at a lot of these guys you know people are saying the biggest knocks on them is their you know ability to gain separation and uh their lack of nfl size i guess but i just don't like that because these guys are just becoming so advanced with how they understand their body control how to how to run routes, even if you're not the best route runner, by finding the open zone. 
they just consistently do it regardless of, you know, their quote-unquote lack of speed, lack of ability to gain separation. I mean, as a tight end, how many guys in the league are actually gaining high amounts of separation? I mean, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, uh, those are the only tight ends in the league consistently doing that type of stuff. And um, that's every tight end in this in this draft class, Ed. Um, and Kate Otten is probably one of the most fundamental blockers for any tight end I have watched any film on. Um, even dating back to last season, he is seriously so technically sound when it comes to blocking. Willing blocker. He plays every snap like it's his last. I mean, he never has a low effort play. He's he's running to take somebody's head off. If he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's still looking to find his way to make his impact in the play. Um, he has super soft hands and flashes really good uh, concentration. I've seen him make uh, catches over the shoulder where he has to track back to the opposite side while he's got a defensive back wrapped over his shoulder. He's made some of the most impressive catches I've seen for a tight end out of this class, Ed. Um, now, he might be one of the lower-tier athletes for any of the tight ends um, because when he has the ball in his hands, uh, he may be a high-effort player, but he's just not a great athlete, so he's never really effective. Um, he's definitely like a possession-type uh, tight end, um, but he's, he's a guy that you would love to have as your second or third-string tight end in a, in a really heavy set, uh, like... For example, what the Cleveland Browns run right now, he would be unbelievably perfect. I mean, with Austin Hooper getting released, that could even be a landing spot. Um, I, I think his what he brings as a possession tight end and as a value blocker will go very, very unappreciated early in the draft. And whoever is able to snag this guy will seriously get a, a high-level NFL tight end. Um, next is a guy, Jeremy Ruckert, who we've had an opportunity to talk about on the show. And a guy that had little production at Ohio State, but any time the film was on him, it was incredible, Ed. I mean, this guy, even though he had a lack of film, his film was some of my favorite. He was the most reliable receiver out of any any tight end in this draft. Um, highest catch percentage, even though, yes, he wasn't, wasn't a feature receiver at Ohio State, so there wasn't necessarily a game plan against him. But at the same time, any time Jeremy Ruckert's name was called, he made the play, Ed. Um, I think Jeremy Ruckert's one of the most underappreciated, not even tight ends in this draft, but players in this draft, just because, I mean, at Ohio State, we know how much of an emphasis there is on their talented wide receiver corps. <laughs> you can't blame them. They had three of the most talented receivers in the country. You don't necessarily need to rely on your tight end like that. But when they did, he was the man making the play. And um, I honestly had a hard time finding what he did bad. I would, I, I would say he's not the most technically sound blocker, but he is such a good athlete that he still makes blocks when they're needed. Um, Jeremy Ruckert absolutely, absolutely is one of my favorite players in this entire draft, Ed. Um, going on next to Greg Dulwich from UCLA, uh, one of the best athletes for this draft, or excuse me, one of the best tight end athletes in this draft. Um, he's at 6'4", 248, so not the biggest tight end in the world, but like I was saying, I don't love, you know, I don't love, uh, you know, taking an inch or so into account for the, these new age tight ends. Um, he is absolutely one of these fastest, if not the fastest tight end in this draft. Um, I think he has a uh, legitimate ability to clear the seam consistently and be uh, inside the numbers threat. Um, and he was a big play specialist. I mean, he was one of, if not the like primary big play guy at UCLA offense, on the offensive side of the ball last year. Um, he demonstrates good versatility, has lined up at, uh, as wide receiver in the backfield, um, you can plug this guy wherever you want, and he's gonna he's gonna make something happen. And his ability to catch the ball in traffic is probably top three for any tight end in this draft. Um, 
I think he's one of the most NFL-ready tight ends, even though I think his ceiling is not near what other guys in this draft could have. But um, he's pro-ready. He's absolutely pro-ready. He's super technically sound. Um, and the only thing that I, I uh, didn't really like about him was, as a tight end, you'd like to see a little bit of physicality after the catch, right? None of that with him. I mean, he was he was kind of like a receiver, you know? He was able to just get that separation and beat guys over the top um, and make something happen and even make a guy miss, but there was no physicality in his game. And, um, you know, being a tight end, you have to have some level of physicality on the next level, right? And then next, I want to go to uh, Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods from Virginia. And, <clears throat> pardon me. Jelani Woods is also, I would say, top five receiver for any tight end in this draft. He's a super impressive athlete. Uh, ran a 4-6, 40-yard dash. Um, you know, and I, I was just talking about how I don't want to knock guys for being smaller. I will give a guy praise for being a big target. And at 6-7, running a 4-6-1, that's scary, Ed. That is terrifying. Um, another super high-effort player, high-effort blocker. Um, just wants to do whatever he can to make an impact on the play. Um, wasn't a guy that necessarily had the best production in the world, but anytime you know he was called upon, he was that guy. He had flashed super soft hands, um, and he's like I said, he's a super reliable target. Who wouldn't want to be thrown to a guy that's six seven, Ed? Um, now, at the next level, I think that size, it, you know, it could be great as a red zone threat, but um, his his inability to gain um, gain separation, and I said. Uh, all these tight ends, they really understand how to utilize their body and have great body control. Well, it's kind of hard for a guy to be 6'7 and 250 and have great body control. So that's something that he was maybe lacking. So his inability to gain separation was hurting him um, consistently. And I think he is, you know, there is a very, very little, little experience with him. He only had one year, um, maybe one and a half of true consistent play. So um, we've, we've only seen the best of him one year of his career, which is really concerning. Um, but like I said, at 6'7", nobody's going to turn that down, Ed. Cole Turner. Um, Cole Turner is <clears throat> from Nevada. He's 6'6", 246. And I think this is one of the most uh, balanced players we have in this draft, Ed. Um, he's, he's a great athlete, loves to block, and is a solid wide receiver. I mean... People, he was lined up at wide receiver like a very, very, very high percentage of times. I mean, I was, I was having a hard time watching him on film because I was like, is this guy playing wide receiver? Or is he playing tight end? Um, he's just such a good athlete that he's able to use his speed to gain separation. Um, he's an elite pass blocker. I mean, people, people have said that if he was 60 pounds heavier, he would be starting offensive line ed. Um, just a, a, a crazy, crazy impressive athlete, uh, great after the catch, has a great burst off the line of scrimmage. He runs his, his routes disciplined, has a low pad level, um, sells every route the exact same. He doesn't start high if he's going to cut in early. Um, he runs every route like it's downfield, and then when he makes his cut, he makes his cut. And um, I would say he might be the best route runner and best overall athlete for any tight end. Um, the only reason that... Uh, I couldn't put him higher was just because of the lack of actual, you know, um, targets he was getting. I mean, Nevada had a very, very impressive receiving core, so it's, it's understandable. But, um, you know, one thing that I did notice, he is a super high effort blocker, very technical, but at times can get very high and get on his, um, you know, get on his tippy toes a little bit and lose his center of gravity. Um, but that was really it. I just think uh, the lack of 
you know, lack of actual film and production was kind of the only thing that prevented me from putting him higher. Um, and then last we have Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Now, Charlie Kohler is probably one of, he, I had a, I couldn't decide if I wanted to put him at the top of my list, Ed, or at the bottom of my list, because <laughs> one, one game I'd be watching him, he's like, wow, this guy is legitimately, you know, top four tight end talent. And then the next game after that, there is just absolutely zero discipline in his game, zero, you know, like, it just seems like there's no effort in his game, um, lack of technique. But, I mean, at 6'6", he's a reliable red zone target, has hands of glue. I mean, when I'm telling you this guy seriously has the potential to be a top three tight end in this draft, I mean it. His hands have um, some games seriously look like some they're better than half the receivers in this draft class. I mean, they're soft, reliable. Um, he can take a hit and still bring the ball in. He creates a mismatch for any cornerback at 6'6". Um, with that type of speed, he's just... It's unfair. You can't put a linebacker on him. You can't put a corner on him. And if you put a safety on him, they better be darn good in coverage because the dude is a high IQ football player. He, he no, understands where openings are going to be in those zones and the soft spots, and he consistently was able to find them. Um, but like I was saying, there was something about him that was just very, very up and down. I mean, like his ceiling was top of the class, and his floor was bottom of the class. And mm -hmm. um, if, if you want to take a guy um, – you know, if you want to take a tight end early, I want to see a consistently effortful guy. And um, I, I just talent absolutely top three. Effort I would say bottom three. And his, his, his release off the line of scrimmage is wildly inconsistent. And um, you know, if you're if you're a tight end, getting that release is really important because you know we know tight ends aren't the fastest guys in the world. So it's about how you start, really, not how you finish as a tight end. Um, and can I can can I just jump in a little bit on Charlie Kohler? Absolutely, my friend. Yeah, um, is this the guy who I think he won like academic of the year or something like that? Um, you know, honestly, I'm not too sure. I, if that's the case, then hey, maybe maybe he's putting more effort in on in the books, and I, I respect that to the fullest. I think I think he might be an engineering major, and <laughs> I mean, I I just I just know. I mean, we saw that with David DeCastro, these guys who can play, you know, college football and study engineering. I mean, there are guys who do it, and um, you know, I'm always really impressed. And I, I think sometimes maybe if you know you put your efforts towards pro football, these guys tend to kind of blossom a little bit. Yeah, but no, uh, I believe he actually was. Uh, I'm looking at his awards and honors right here, Ed, and Charlie Kohler looks pretty decorated as not only a football player but as an academic student. So, um, you know, you you obviously want something like that in 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 a draft pick, and with with top, you know, like I said, with a top three ceiling. Um, hopefully that academically that that was the only thing maybe potentially holding him back. But um, uh, you you love to see players that invest invest themselves in being a great football player and a great student and a great human. So um, Charlie Kohler could be either the biggest hit of the tight ends or the biggest miss of the tight ends. I I don't think there's any in between. But um, that that's my rundown of the tight ends that we have for for my top tight ends for this uh for this year's draft. Ed, I am really really excited to see where they go, and I'm super excited especially to see where Mr. Trey McBride lands up. Well, uh, Brendan, I think you did a great job, and uh, let's go on to uh, NFL free agency. All righty, my friend. Well, Ed, some big news coming out today. Um, you know, hopefully, I don't hopefully I don't get too emotional and start crying in front of y'all. <laughs> no crying in but, football. <laughs> <laughs> but man, uh, the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield 
seem to have um, severed all relationships. And as of today, Baker Mayfield has requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns. And let me just say this. I have been a Browns fan my entire life. I have watched us go 0-16, 1-15. I have watched us draft Justin Gilbert over Aaron Donald. I have seen us trade away nine football players for Julio Jones, and those nine players didn't last more than three years in the NFL. And I have watched us draft Johnny Manziel, and I have never felt worse as a Cleveland Browns fan than right now, Ed. Yeah, I, I can understand. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of hope, you know, when you get a guy like Baker Mayfield who's changing the, you know, he's changing pretty pretty much the temperature in the room. Uh you know, maybe not the temperature, but the, you know, the, the, just the atmosphere in the room. I mean, just just go from a losing culture to a winning culture, just like that. And all that talent was starting to metastasize. And then, um, you know, um, now I, I, I legitimately think behind the scenes, this is this is a contract issue. You know, I, I personally, I don't think it's a contract issue. I think coming into this, <clears throat> you know, what happened last season, Baker Mayfield understood you know, I did not have a good season due to my injury, and I understand that. And I, I think Baker's, you know, smart enough to understand that. Um, and, you know, they were open with him, you know, we're going to wait to see how this next season goes to give you a long-term deal. And as a Browns fan, I even think that was the fair move. I, I think we, it was fair to wait to see what he would have done this season, and then based off of that, you decide if you want to move on with him long-term or if he's not your guy. I mean, I, I have been a Baker Mayfield supporter to the fullest, but, you know, I even I know that there was some questions with his play, and I, I'm not going to sit here and act like Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in the world. I mean, he, he absolutely had his flaws, but, I mean, to to be the only quarterback in the last in 25 years, in my entire lifetime, to actually want to play for Cleveland, um, to win us a playoff game, not only win us a playoff game, but win us a playoff game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and you guys want to do this to him. I mean, it, this the second that this relationship was over was when they flew out there to interview Deshaun Watson because that was just a, a big frick you to Baker Mayfield. I mean, that, that literally says to you, hey, um, you're not our guy. It's as simple as that. You're not our guy. We're going to take the chance to sacrifice. Even you know you have a very, very, very slim chance of landing Deshaun Watson, and you know that if you go out there and you don't get Deshaun Watson – or even if you do, you still, regardless, either way, are sacrificing your relationship with Baker Mayfield. Because we know we know how Baker Mayfield is. Like he's, you know, he's a very, very, very passionate player, and he's, you know, he's an emotional player. In, in, I would say, in, in a good way though. Um, I, I don't think he, you know, lets his emotions eat, you know, kill him in a bad way. I think he's just a very passionate player that, you know, wants to be where people want him. You know, he and. It sucks because, you know, if the city of Cleveland had the decision, we would have never went out and interviewed Deshaun Watson. I know the city of Cleveland's behind Baker Mayfield, but um, I guess I guess he's just not Andrew Barry's guy. I, I don't know. Um, and you know what this means? I mean, for the Browns now, what does this mean for quarterback position? We have Nick Mullins and Case Keenum as our quarterbacks on the roster right now. They absolutely will not and should not be our quarterbacks going forward. Those are backup quarterbacks. The only two people in my head right now that make any sense if we don't draft somebody, which I honestly don't see us drafting somebody, is Jameis Winston and Jimmy Garoppolo. And you guys have heard me multiple times on the show express how much I am not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. If if the Browns 
force Baker Mayfield to request a trade and Jimmy Garoppolo just so happens to be our quarterback next year, I will have a very hard time watching football. I will support my Browns my entire life, but I will have a very, very hard time watching football. Now, honestly, I I think if Baker's gone, best, best case scenario is we land Jameis Winston. I mean, honestly, I, I don't think we're making a big-time trade for any other quarterback. For who's available out of Jimmy Garoppolo and Jameis Winston, I'll take Jameis Winston all day. I honestly really will. Um, I just I, – I am – stunned. I, I woke up this morning and I was reading that and I really couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, there's reports that if Baker does get traded, he does want to go to the Indianapolis Colts, which makes a whole load of sense, honestly. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to see Baker go to the Colts. It's a very <clears throat> That team is very close to being competitive. Um, they're quite literally quarterback away. Um, and who who else would they get? I mean, their, their options are either Baker, Jameis, or Jimmy Garoppolo, and for them, I would say I'll take Baker all day. Um, now, unfortunately, for the and uh, Ed, I don't know if you saw this too. The Browns have openly said they are going to not fulfill Baker's request. So if you Baker requests a trade, he openly says, "I don't want to play for your football team," and you say, "Well, that sucks because you're gonna." I mean, does he sit out? If if he legitimately wants to be traded, and we told him we're not going to trade him, does he sit out? I I I wouldn't be I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's out of the question. I, I could see that happening if we don't actually trade him. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, the, the good news is, is that in a year from now, uh, you know, it would be a much better quarterback class. So, I mean, there, that, that that's really – I mean, that's the only option I see for the Cleveland Browns because I don't I, – I mean, I think – I think getting a good quarterback is past. Aaron Rodgers wants to stay. Deshaun Watson's already traded. And so you're really, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is available and Derek Carr. And I don't even, I don't even know if Derek Carr is available. You know what I mean? I mean, the Raiders may, might want to just stick with him. And I think the Raiders would be smart to stick with him. So really, I mean, what do you do? You, you, you know, you go, you go with Jimmy Garoppolo for a year. You go, you know, uh, three and, you know, three and 14 and uh you know you 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 draft in the top 10 and you get you know one of uh you know let's say the alabama kid bryce young or you go and get uh you know some some other you know you know some other star you know grayson mccall or um some other star from some other team Honestly, man, heck, give me Bernie Kozar's phone number and I'll call him up right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, honestly, man, I, I – there's just so many – there's so few, but at the same time so many things that could happen with the Browns situation next year. Um, I I don't think we find our long-term guy um, this offseason, and I, I, I don't want us to because everybody that's available, I don't want it to be our long-term guy. Like you said, unless it's Derek Carr, but – the Raiders would be out of their minds to give up Derek Carr. Out of their freaking minds. Um, I think, I mean, we've talked about how underrated we think Derek Carr is um, for multiple times on the show. I mean, if they got rid of Derek Carr, that would be one of the worst moves they've ever made. But, I mean, just the direction of the Browns is, is, is weird right now, Ed. It's really weird to me. You, I, I thought they were clearing cap because they were confident they were going to land a high-caliber quarterback such as Deshaun Watson. I mean... You get rid of of 
Jarvis Landry, who was, you know, one of the main things in, you know, changing the culture of Cleveland in the Browns. And then you um, go out and release J.C. Treader, our all-pro center, <clears throat> all pro center. And I, it's just, it's weird, man. I the, the direction the Browns are going is concerning to me. We just released Austin Hooper like 45 minutes ago, um, which actually I, I'm huge on that move. That's like the only one that I truly, really agree with. I understand getting rid of Jarvis Landry. I mean, you can't pay somebody $15 million for 400 receiving yards. You just can't. Um, you know, business is business, and I understand that that was all business. It just it sucks to see, like, a, a guy like Jarvis Landry, you know, have to have to leave your football team. It just and, – and, and, and good football teams make that kind of move. You know what I'm saying? They cut the right, fat right. when they have to. You know what I'm saying? The, exactly. In a salary cap league, you have to do that. Right. They, they understand that, you know – you, production, you, you have to you, you have to pay for production. You know, you can't pay a guy for being a locker room guy. Um, it, it, eventually, it has to match on the field. And unfortunately, Jarvis just wasn't doing that anymore. And, you know, they, they landed Amari Cooper, Ed, so I can't necessarily complain. I mean, yes, it sucks to lose a guy like Jarvis because he was so passionate about the Browns and was a leader of that locker room. But <clears throat> Amari Cooper, you can make an argument Amari Cooper's the best route runner in football, Ed. Um, top 15 wide receiver. I, I'm thrilled to have Amari Cooper wearing brown and orange, but um, still just pretty tough to see a guy like Jarvis Landry go. And, you know, now Baker Mayfield's potentially going. Uh, OBJ left this last season. Ed, I have two jerseys left, man. I'm going to have to re-up my jersey collection. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's bad, man. It's, it's bad. I got to get that jersey assurance with, with how often we're shipping guys out now. So, um <clears throat> I'm just I'm praying that the Browns, you know, they know what they're doing. Andrew Barry has done nothing but great work, but you know, up until today, I've been very fond of Andrew Barry's moves, but I am very, 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 very upset with him right now, and I hope that he proves me wrong. I I, I would hope that he knows what he's doing. You know, <laughs> he's the one that's got the job. I'm just on the mic, right? But um, I I really really hope that we figure this out because he just. But what Baker Mayfield's done to Cleveland, it was pretty disrespectful to to do that to him. But you know, let's uh, let's hop over into this this situation into the person that you know, in essence, created this whole situation, and that's Deshaun Watson. Ed, uh, as it looks like as of right now that he probably is going to the New Orleans Saints. They have been clearing out cap like crazy. Um, it doesn't look like they're gonna re-sign Armstead because they wouldn't be able to afford Watson at that point. And he went back for a second meeting with the Saints, the only other, the only team to get a second meeting with Deshaun Watson. And, um, you know, can I say that it's a bit surprising to me? Uh, like, looking at the Saints compared to even even the Browns, like, even even the Panthers, Ed, like, take away the quarterback position. Let's look at strip strip the quarterback position. Look at everything else. I mean, skills positions. I would take Carolina's over the Saints right now. I mean, <clears throat> you don't know where Alvin if Alvin Kamara is going to play with me next year. You don't know if Michael Thomas is going to play. You don't know. I, I mean, there's really not any genuine talent on the Saints' offensive side of the ball. Um, you, I mean, you look at the Panthers. You got DJ Moore, um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, and then uh, I think they're going to go all offense in this draft. And then defensively, I mean, the, the Panthers got a pretty solid defense. I mean, roster-wise, it's honestly one of the most underappreciated and underrated defenses in the league. And then the Saints, on the other hand, I mean, you don't really know with them. They weren't a great team last year, and you're losing Sean Payton, who was one of the greatest offensive minds ever. So um, I just 
I think the Saints is a little strange to me. Even the Falcons, Ed. Even the Falcons were uh, a team that was kind of getting hot late in the discussions. But, I mean, the Falcons, they have Kyle Pitts. I mean, um, well, I guess I guess the receiving core is looking a little skinny right now. One well, losing Atlanta. Calvin Ridley is a big one. Losing Calvin Ridley. You lost Russell Gage as well. Um, they're, they're looking pretty slim on the, on the receiving core actually. So, um, but defensively, I mean, they, they just made a great signing with Casey Hayward. I mean, Casey Hayward and AJ Terrell, that is a scary, scary set of cornerbacks head. But I mean, I just, what about the saints do you think is, is intrigued him the most to go there compared to any other landing spot? I mean, and then obviously look at the Browns. I mean, it's probably because of the Browns organization was, was the main thing holding him back, but Roster-wise, the Browns are far and away more talented than any of these other teams that have been mentioned. Why the Saints? I just can't get my head wrapped around that, Ed. Well, I, I think maybe it's the fan base. You know, they're a loyal fan base. and Yeah, no, Ed, I, I definitely think the Saints, um, I mean, with Sean Payton leaving, I mean, I don't think you're necessarily losing every ounce of that offensive mastermind, you know? I mean, the, they, they are keeping pretty much the exact same coaching staff, so they're going to keep the same same schemes probably the same ideals um so i i could see that that sean payton legacy honestly being a big part of why you want to go to the saints and if you are getting mike thomas back i mean obviously that's that's one of the best receivers in football you'll never you're never going to turn that down so um you know maybe he sees the, the direction that the saints are going and they're a little closer to being there than you know maybe the average fan thinks but um i just still to me the Saints is a little bit of a unique destination, and um, with with how screwed over the Browns are right now, I just wish I could be saying it was going to be us. But um, uh, I, I think if it's not going to be the Saints, it's the Falcons. But as of right now, I think it's like ninety percent looking like it's going to be the Saints. Ed. Yeah, I mean, I just think I just think it's a team with a loyal fan base, and I think that it's. Uh... You know, a team that really wants to win now and has the defense to win now, and so they need that quarterback, that immediate quarterback answer. No, absolutely, Ed. But you know, let's let's uh, talk about a team that maybe doesn't have that immediate quarterback answer. They have they have a temporary solution, but I wouldn't say an answer. And you know, that's your Pittsburgh Steelers, Ed. They signed Mitch Trubisky, and um, I know how you feel about this, but uh, I personally I think it was the best short-term realistic option i mean i don't think you're looking for your franchise long-term guy right now i think you're looking for your guy that you can service while you're in that hunt and i think who better than for super cheap right now than to get the mitch trubisky honestly ed i want to hear how you feel about this move you know i i just i think that puts us in mediocre quarterback land but i will say I, i will defend the act in the sense that I think what, what I can see the Steelers doing is that they're putting just enough at every position. You know what I'm saying? They're putting just enough talent at every position so that they, when they go to the draft, they can kind of drop best player available. So they're setting themselves up for a good draft. And so maybe there's a guy in the mid rounds who they really like, you know, maybe, maybe Desmond Ritter's their guy. So they go with him in the third round. You know what I'm saying? Right. That actually makes a lot of sense. I'm like, why, why go all out elsewhere when you, you know, you can get good enough and then put yourself in a position where you can take the most talented guy. And, you know, the Steelers a lot of times aren't a team that has huge, huge, huge needs. I mean, they they pretty often do take the best player available, I feel like. So um, I, I just 
as a Browns fan, I hope you guys don't do good in this draft because, like we've mentioned, this is a really, really talented draft. Ed. Not only talented, but but very deep. So, um, you know, I, I could see the Steelers loving a guy like Ritter. I really could. Um, big, big, strong, physical quarterback. Um, I, I, I definitely think he's one of the more raw. I mean, he's technically sound, but at the same time, there's still some raw aspect about him, and I don't I don't know what it is fully because everything about him as a quarterback just looks really pretty, but um, sometimes it just something doesn't feel right with him. But I, I think if you get him into a, a system like the Steelers, where you're you know with one of the greatest coaches of all time, a team that is consistently you know above 500, that could be the place for Ritter Ed. And I, I know you know a while ago, you know months and months ago, we were talking you know hey maybe Ritter does end up to the Steelers, and um, that's looking like it could be a possibility now because like we mentioned, we both know Mitch Trubisky is you know pretty mediocre. Um, but we know he's not going to be the long-term option. So maybe you say, hey, we get this guy, and we're not putting any real investment into him, so we can still afford to take a quarterback this year without him caring about it at all. I mean, Mitch Trubisky knows his place right now, right? So we, t we bring him in for super cheap. He maybe gets us even to a wild card, and then we have a quarterback we can develop for the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I kind of go for the Super Bowl every year, and uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Mitchell Trubisky's the guy to get you there. Um, I I I think that what they did was they said, you know, let's just get let's just get a solid option, and then you know, if there's that guy that falls to us in the draft that we like, we'll go that way. You know what I'm saying? We'll go right. that way. And I, I I guess that's what I like about the move, but. You know, if, if 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 you just go with Mitchell Jabrisky and you just roll with him as the quarterback for the next two years, not going to cut it. Not going to cut it for me as a Steeler fan. No, I agree. I agree, and I respect that. Um, I definitely think you are 100% aggressively on the hunt while Mitch Trubisky is your guy, you know. And who knows, man? The NFL's crazy. Maybe Mitch Trubisky finds his place in Pittsburgh, and <laughs> I seriously doubt that happens. I really do, but... Um, I like we were saying for maybe maybe two years. Uh, I don't see it being any longer than that. Um, I see you guys just and like you said, you've never been a team to go be aggressive to make a trade for somebody. You guys are very confident. I feel like the Steelers are very confident in their staff to find their people through drafts, right? I mean, you guys really aren't a crazy aggressive team free agency wise, trade wise. You really but this really year, this year, this year we have plugged a lot of holes. We have plugged a lot of holes this year. I yeah. mean, Mason Cole, James Donald, Miles Jack, um, just to name a few. We we really have done some work in free agency this year. No, I agree, but I mean more in the essence. I mean, Miles Jack was actually a pretty big signing, but I mean like you know going out and getting the the free agent. You know, like like the 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 six year. $100 million contract signings, you know, you guys aren't necessarily a team to do that. Like you guys are pretty confident in your ability to build your guys. You know what I mean? Like, obviously you, you have a hole and you want to fill it with a guy like Miles Jack, who's, you know, one of the better at better players at that position. But you guys really do invest a lot of coaching into your guys. And that's why you have, you know, pretty consistent rosters and you keep your, your, you know, great players for a very long time is because, you get them when they're you get them out of the draft. You're not trading for these guys. You're not signing them out of free agency, and that's why you have them for you know ten years. Um, I just that's one thing that I just gosh I I appreciate and respect the Steelers so much, and I wish the Browns could do that. But um, 
I would love, I would absolutely love to see you guys get a rookie um, for, as an NFL fan, not as a Browns fan, but as an NFL fan. I would love to see you guys, you know, maybe get that Desmond Ritter type guy, maybe even trade up in the draft, which I don't see happening. But I would love to see how well you guys can develop a first round quarterback. Maybe, I mean, not, not, excuse me, not necessarily a first round guy, but a guy of potentially Desmond Ritter's level. And I think both you and I can agree that Desmond Ritter has a way, way higher ceiling than, you know, Mason Rudolph and or Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Desmond Ritter, if he would come in, though, I mean, he'd probably be your number three. Uh, you know, they'd probably say, hey, you're the, you know, you're the rookie, you're the development guy in the room, you know, learn the playbook. Uh, you know, we're going to teach you everything you need to know. Um, who who would be his mentor? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe give him Ben Roethlisberger's number. Um, <laughs> you know, you know. I don't know who the mentor would be in the room, but uh, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe maybe you have Mason Rudolph teach him teach him the offense. Um, you know, so forth, and um, you know, uh, it just. I, I I could see I could see it and 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 maybe I mean you, you you don't know what the Steelers you know they're they're generally a team that kind of finds that uh you know guy diamond in the rough I mean that's what's that's what's made the Steelers great right and maybe they're looking they have that guy in mind in the later rounds but I I mean if I if I were to if I were to really think about it right now I mean the, it, Mitchell Trubisky makes it so. Your first need is probably strong safety right now. That's how much things have changed. Your second need is probably a wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? You need a third wide receiver. And you're probably your third – then your third need is like, you know, that developmental quarterback maybe who can come in and take that job. But, I mean, you're only going to take a developmental quarterback if you really believe in the guy, right? Like you're, you're not going to use a third-round pick on a guy you don't believe in. Right. No, I agree with you, Ed. So – just in a in a sentence or two, tell me your overall feelings. Do you do you like the move? Do you not like it? Do you think it was the right move? I like the move. It wasn't a lot of money, but um, but if you don't do anything else, then it then, then it is a problem. You know what I'm saying? Then then right. you're then it then then it becomes you know if it, if you're asking him to be the bridge quarterback or you're asking him to sort of be the short term answer, that's that's fine. Or you know you want to give him a chance. You want to give Haskins a chance. You know you want to give a lot of guys a chance. I I understand that, but uh, you know I, I mean there is going to be a time where they they are going to have to go and get that guy, right? Like that guy, that that right. franchise guy. No, I agree with you at one hundred percent. And you know we got a pretty heavy quarterback show today, so let's talk about maybe arguably. I wouldn't even say arguably. I would say is the biggest news of the last week. And that is Mr. Tom Brady decided to unretire, Ed. I mean, are you kidding me? I can't – can I say I'm surprised? Not really, but at the same time, I am. Um, I <laughs> – this is just the craziest thing ever to me, man. I mean, when is this guy going to decide it's time? I, I, I bet it is only going to be for one more year, but gosh, I mean – I was saying, you, you, it's hard to walk away from the game when you're playing at the level he was. I mean, last season, threw for nearly 5,000 yards, threw for almost 40 touchdowns. The dude had one of the best regular seasons of his entire career, and he's 44, Ed. It's mind-blowing. I mean, I just, the thing is, 
if he's coming back, I know for a fact he's going to have a good season again. You know, he knows his body better than anybody else, and he knows what he's capable of. So he's going to have another great season. Where, with Tom Brady retire or with unretiring, where does this put the Bucks in the NFC Super Bowl? Way too, way too early NFC Super Bowl race. I'm going to say they're a playoff team. I'm going to say they're a playoff team. Uh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if, the, I don't know if they might have all their ducks in the road that they've had in the last couple of years. I mean, they have, they're used to having these all-star teams and I don't know if they have the all-star team that they've had in years past. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I would like to see how they attack the draft. Um, I, I'm assuming they're probably going secondary in the draft is my best guess. Um, offensively, I think that they actually, they were able to keep a lot more pieces than I think people were expecting to. I would say the main piece of their offense that they lost was OJ Howard, but not necessarily a vital piece of that offense. I mean, without, we were just talking about how deep this, uh, these tight ends could possibly be. So maybe they end up snagging a rookie. Um, there is still a question on Gronk's return, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I see Gronk coming back to play one more with Brady. Um, so I, I, this is just mind-blowing to me. I, I agree with you. I think they're definitely a playoff team. Um, looking at the division they're in, you know, it looks like regardless, Watson is going to end up in that division. Like, it, it, either it's the Falcons or it's the Saints, but he's going to end up in that division. So, you know, maybe they're not even the best team in that division anymore. I think Watson instantly turns whatever team he's on to – you know, at least maybe a wild card team. I mean, I guess he was on a really, really bad Texans team a couple of years ago. But um, I think with this, the position that the Saints are in now, with the Deshaun Watson, they could potentially be that best team. I don't think roster-wise they are close to the best, but you add a Deshaun Watson to that, that's that's game-changing, Ed. And I, um, I, I just, with how the Bucks kind of were not able to, like, they somehow made their last playoff game a game. I mean, they were getting blown out at first, absolutely blown out of the water. And they were able to somehow kind of come back into it. But, you know, maybe maybe that's like a sign to see what kind of Buccaneers team we're going to, you know, fall into because they did lose a, a couple defensive pieces. So um, you have to really have a good, a good draft if, if Brady wants to win another Super Bowl. Um, I will say, though, if we're going based off of history – this is the year that he should win the Super Bowl because, uh, I mean, it's it's just so weird. He literally will go a year, win the Super Bowl, next year not make it to the Super Bowl, and then the next year go and win a Super Bowl. And he did, he's done that the last 10 years, Ed. It's, it's crazy. So um, I, I'm not taking the Buccaneers out of the Super Bowl race. I, to me, as of right now, um, paper-wise, they're just they're, they're simply a playoff team to me. I don't look at them as a necessarily dominant Super Bowl contender. But, I mean, adding Tom Brady to whatever roster in the league instantly makes you a playoff contender. I don't care what team it is. If Tom Brady's on that football team, even at 45 years old, they're a playoff contender to me. So this is my question. If he wins the Super Bowl, does he come back? And how angry am I going to be <laughs> if he wins the Super Bowl and says he's coming back? Gosh, I feel like if he if you win a Super Bowl at 45 years old, and it's your eighth one, and you decide to come back, you're doing that out of pure spite of NFL <laughs> fans. I mean, you're, you're literally doing it just to say, hey, I can do this, so I will do this. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Gosh. I mean, it, it, I... 
the thing is, I can see him playing until he's 50, honestly. And he's still going to be making the All-Pro team, man. But I honestly, if, if he does win another Super Bowl, there's no chance that he doesn't go out on top, right? I mean, gosh, we, we've, been, we've only been saying this for the last seven years, but <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I feel like at some point it's got to be, if he decided that this year was the time, or, you know, he even felt that maybe this year was the time, there's no way he lasts over another year, you know? Um, especially because that Buccaneers team, you know, will progressively get worse than what it was from, you know, that Super Bowl win. But I mean, I mean, this is just a thing that we see in the world. It's just that there are some people, it's really hard for them to just to just retire. You know what I'm saying? They just can't stop winning. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we see this in other industries. It's not just football, right? Like, there are just some bankers that just don't want to retire because they just keep winning. You know what I'm saying? Right? That's, their, <laughs> that's their day. You know what I mean? Like, the, this is what he does. You know what I'm saying? He goes and wins Super Bowls. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think some people just have that drive, just love it, what they do. And um, no one's ever going to question whether Tom Brady loved the game. No, absolutely, and that's, I mean, if you don't like Tom Brady as a football player, you have to at least respect his passion he has for the game, because nobody else has ever matched it, um, I'm, gosh, I, as much as I, you know, was kind of, I guess, excited to see a leagueless Brady, or Bradyless league, excuse me, I'm kind of excited to see him come back, man, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I'm kind of excited to see him come back, Ed. I mean, I guess that era is not over now. <laughs> it's Tom right? Brady's league. <laughs> I mean, imagine Tom Brady outlived, outlived Roethlisberger, outlived <laughs> um, Breeze, outlived uh, Peyton Manning, of course. He outlived uh, – I mean, the only person he really hasn't outlived is – Aaron Rodgers, you know and what I'm saying? Aaron Rodgers came that. in the league a little after him. I, I'm sure there's a great quarterback I'm forgetting in that list too. I, I know there, there's some fan base that's like, you well, forgot yeah, you about forgot. it. Yeah, you forgot You know what I mean? Um, but, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the good news for Steeler fans is that uh, Brady and Roethlisberger won't be up for the Hall of Fame the same year. And so um, – <laughs> You know what I mean? We can have the we can have the the Steelers play in the Hall of Fame game in five years, and then in six years it will be the New England Patriots playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know yep. that. <laughs> Absolutely. So they'll each get their each get their uh, stars of the show. Yeah. Oh so. man. Well, I'm I'm excited. Um, I I hopefully I'm not we're not talking about Brady winning a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, next year on the podcast, but. <laughs> Because we've never done that. We've never done that on Blitzcast. We've sure never done that on Blitzcast. Oh, never. People who've been listening. <laughs> people who've been listening to this show for a long time. <laughs> yeah, Brady doesn't win Super Bowls. What are you talking about? <laughs> but all right, my friend, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, Ed. I really appreciate you. All right, Brendan, take care. You too, my friend, and everybody tuning into this episode of Blitzcast. We'll be back next week, and um. You know, hopefully we're talking about some more offseason free agency madness and uh, maybe we'll have an update on the Baker Mayfield situation. But until then, folks, take care and take it easy.